so first of all, I'm going to reaffirm what you just said. It is a real estate transaction. Make that very clear. It is defined in the Real Estate Services Act as a transaction. I'm challenging the lawyer because if you do anything long enough, as you know, for any of us listening, you know, we do things long enough, we, we encounter many things over, the, over our journey in what we do. Well, once upon a time, there was a director from the Manitoba Securities Commission that prevented anybody selling a property prior to possession date for profit or not for profit. It was not allowed in the province of Manitoba. Hey, investors, you are listening to the Investing to Win podcast, the show dedicated to empowering investors to achieve financial freedom and live your best life. This show is committed to offering honest conversation between investors, common sense strategies, real-time market updates, and professional guidance to achieving financial freedom. Investing doesn't have to be super hands-on or complicated. We are all about passive investments with real gain, so you have freedom of time and money. Your host is none other than Garrett Wong, who brings decades of experience in buying, renovating, and managing cash flow investment properties. Thanks for being here and get ready to invest to win. Hello, investment community. This is Garrett Wong, your host of the Investing to Win podcast. I just finished an amazing interview with Rolf Hitzer, local broker here at Royal LePage in Winnipeg. We're diving into the concept of wholesaling, real estate wholesaling. And it's controversial because nobody really knows if it's actually illegal or not. So tune in. This one's really interesting. We're going to dive deep and find out if it is or not. Enjoy. Welcome, investors. This is Garrett Wong, your host of the Investing to Win podcast. Today, I actually have the pleasure of welcoming a longtime friend and associate, uh, Rolf Hitzer, who is a broker here of a local um, real estate uh, company. Uh, Rolf, welcome. Well, Garrett, thank you very much for having me here today. Uh, And I have to say how honored I am to be here in two ways. One, just by the virtue of you inviting me. But the second one, if the last time I saw you, I don't know if you remember, we had uh, lunch at Joe's. Uh, Joey's on Keniston. And you shared with me and and, uh, the listeners, you need to know this, that how lucky I am to be here with Garrett because he almost died in a boating accident. And I don't know if I'm allowed to ask you this, but I would love to for you to share that a little bit before we start getting to go. I don't know if I can do that, but this is why I'm so honored to be here because you are here, as ironic as that sounds. Well, uh, I am lucky to be here, um, but it's my podcast and I don't want to dominate, you know, a 45 minute podcast with my story. So let's just... uh, Come on, give us a minute of it. (laughs) Oh, geez. So when um, I'm a big fisherman and boater and last season, first day of fishing, my son and I were uh, on a local lake and um, got anchored in some currents. The anchor got caught in the prop, spun us around, and in 10 seconds, we sank and the boat flipped on top of me. Obviously, you know, the water was very, very cold. It was uh, eight degrees. Our body temperature, we got picked up right away. Body temperatures were down into like 30, 31 degrees after two minutes. So yes, uh, everything I do and everything I'm doing now is very purposeful because I am happy to be here and I'm happy to be doing these things. And uh 
you know, there'll be other content that I'm going to be talking about. Maybe I might, might even focus on this because it's uh, not today, but I might focus on, on this type of thing because, you know, it's important for us to realize what we want our priorities to be in life and how we want to have balance. Very much so. Thank you for sharing that because I know I, I put you on the spot. Uh, for those of you listening, uh, I came unplugged. And if Garrett and I were in a rock band, if you don't know what unplugged means, it means uh, we're, we're no editing. We just play with no technology to make us sound better. It's raw. And that's what you're getting with us this morning. So I apologize in advance for what may come out. So like I said, you, know, you put me on the spot, but I, I am on here. And, and no, like the honor's all mine happy to finally have you on the podcast. And I think I'm super excited what we're going to be talking about today. Let's back up a little bit. For those of you, uh, our listeners who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been doing real estate for a really long time. So long. You know, here's an interesting story. I started in real estate in a time where you drove with a pocket full of quarters the the office or the answering service would send you a message and the message would come out like beep, 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 beep. You had no idea who was calling you. So you're frantically looking for a phone booth to make two phone calls, one to the answering service or to the office to say, hi, it's Rolf. Uh, you messaged me and the uh, person would say, well, Garrett Wong was calling you. If you could call him at yada, yada, yada number. And I'd be sitting there trying to hold a phone and a pen and a paper and get Garrett's name and, and phone number down. And now my second quarter was calling Garrett from a phone booth. That's when I started in real estate. That's how things have changed. And then driving to an appointment, our motivation was, you know, I slid in that cassette into my cassette deck in the vehicle, cranked up ACDC, made up my own words. You know, for those about to sell, we salute you as I'm driving to, to my listing appointment to get pumped up. You know, and that was, that's how far back I've been in real estate. Uh, it's been a tremendously wonderful ride for me. It's been, real estate has been the best thing that's ever happened, not only to myself, but to the people I love and care for and the people I work with. It's, it's amazing what real estate has done for me personally. No, um, for those of you who don't know, I, I did a, a couple year, two, three year stint um, as a realtor back in 07, 08, 09. And uh, yeah, I was actually, uh, I, I spoke to Rolf on a random cold call, um, just wanting to find a brokerage that would be my next home. And uh, yeah, that started off uh, a great business relationship and what I call a great friendship. So I brought you on because you're a real estate broker with Royal LePage, um, but also you're a very, very knowledgeable guy. And um, today I want to explore the the topic of wholesaling. It's kind of controversial. It's a hot button these days. And I want to bring some clarity to this sector of real estate as that is the sole purpose of my podcast. So let's get back to basics. Um, what is the definition of wholesaling? So wholesaling, Garrett, would be you're the buyer. And you, through your real estate agent, Rolf Hitzer, uh, <laughs> I could add to throw that in there, sorry. And, and you write an offer and secure and negotiate a property of interest from the seller. Then this is where the wholesaling begins. You now turn to your sphere of influence, your network of uh, clientele, investors, friends, family, doesn't matter who these people are. And now you resell 
the property for a higher amount than what you paid. And the proper way to do that is by assigning your sale to, let's go with Jane Doe. Jane Doe's the the person you've wholesaled your purchase to for profit. And that, in essence, is what wholesaling is. Okay. So I'm just going to summarize here. So I, I see a property. I negotiate some purchase price. I sign some kind of document, whether it's a purchase, lawyer's agreement, whatever. Um, but immediately then, I'm, a, I'm either reselling it before I even take possession of this. So I'm not flipping in the essential sense where I've taken possession, I'm doing renovations, and then I'm selling for a profit. This transaction is not, I'm not even the owner technically for any period of time. And I'm already making the difference between my new selling price and what I paid for the proper when I negotiated for the property. Is that kind of accurate? That's absolutely accurate. And it's, you know, in, in let's call a spade a spade. What a quick way of making a dollar because you haven't taken possession yet. You're literally shuffling one piece of paper to somebody else to sign that assignment uh, piece of paper and you're walking away with a check afterwards and you've done other than making that connection negotiating that that second buyer to the property and you know that check could be of any amount and in some cases obviously quite handsome amount right right depending on your negotiating ability and skills i mean it's a real estate podcast you know that I guess you could call that an investment strategy, no different than flipping or doing buy, renovate, resale, you know, the, the Burr strategy or long-term buy and hold. It's a real estate strategy. But what we really want or what I want to talk about today is, you know, uh, why do people do this? We'll get into some of the legalities because I know there's some gray areas. But, you know, maybe maybe describe a typical wholesale deal. You know, what are the steps involved, the parties involved in the transaction? I mean, I know we've we've kind of outlined it, but like really walk us through. Okay, so let's go with um, you have a seller. I'm going to be the real estate agent. I come to the listing appointment. I secure a listing agreement at a set price. And now we market that property. The buyer comes along, whether it's through myself or their own agent, and they prepare, they view the property, they prepare an offer to purchase. I present that offer to the seller. And at that point, unless I'm double, what's called double ending, if I'm double ending where I'm representing the buyer and the seller, I have no knowledge of the intentions of that buyer at that time. And so here the seller and I, we review the, the terms and conditions of, of the offer. And if all is agreeable, we accept that offer. If it's not agreeable, we counter that offer. And if it's neither one of those are good, we reject the offer. Okay, so that's a typical transaction. I mean, I've been involved in hundreds of these. Walk me through then what it looks like to wholesale them. So now let's assume that I'm double ending the, the sale. And I now know what the intentions are of the buyer because I may have a relationship with that buyer. And this isn't the first time the buyer is going to wholesale the property that they just purchased and secured as their property. So now possession date might be August 1. And here we are sitting today. And now that buyer is reaching out to their net 
network of people to see if there's any interest in purchasing the property at the the amount that the buyer is saying, you know, I paid 100 for this, but I'm going to try to sell it for 150 just to pick for conversation. Okay. I'd like to make 50,000 by shuffling some paper. And along comes somebody that might look at that property and they go, yeah, I see the value at 150. I'll absolutely buy it from you. So now the buyer, what should happen, may not mean what will happen, but what should happen is the buyer goes to their lawyer, does the assignment to the purchase, to the new buyer for 150000 with an August 1 possession date. And it's literally, you know, my work here is done. Where it gets controversy is today that buyer does that transaction if I, as the real estate agent, get involved in that wholesale transaction, I may be setting myself up for an investigation and fines, penalties, or possible suspension of my license. Therein is part of the controversy today. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting that you just, you kind of spun it that way to me, because when I'm thinking wholesaling and I see, you know, people on the internet and social media, like they're literally, it seems anyways, they're walking into a property, they're negotiating, they take some of their so-called buyers through because these wholesalers are building these companies and they have lists of these buyers. And then like they're signing a contract and getting it reassigned within like hours. What you just described almost seems, I don't want to use the word legal because we'll get into that later, but completely fine because there's like a three, four month possession. Now the, I mean... That's not, at least morally in my mind, much different than a flip that I just did where, yeah, I bought a property, I took possession, and I have some things to do, and then I'm going to put it back on the market for to profit for it. So that's, I guess, where the gray area comes in. Absolutely. And, and the way you describe what you just said, you know, and, and, and you take any real estate transaction, and now, you know, like a spoke in a wheel. There's different kinds of real estate transactions. So now you have one spoke that says, hey, let's wholesale. The next spoke might be, I'm buying this for long-term rental. The next spoke might be, I'm, I'm buying and flipping. I want to renovate, improve the property, right? So it's, it's interesting that the spoke we're talking about, which is wholesaling a listing, is very out there. And you're right on social media. I've seen the post myself where there's this like, you know, victory moment of, hey, everybody, I bought this for this. And hey, everybody, I sold it for that. And I look like a real estate rock star when you get right down to it. Because now on social media, people are looking at that and going, wow, Garrett, you're amazing. You must be really good at what you do. And I will say, yes, the fact that you are able to negotiate these deals, you are good at what you do. Call a spade a spade. Well, I mean, and maybe that's all about getting followers. Maybe that's about getting your next wholesale deal. However, um, and I'm paraphrasing and I'm guessing that the Securities Commission is in place, Manitoba Securities Commissions, for those of you who are listening, to make sure that the unaware client, the unaware public does not get hurt. I mean, that's why they exist in insurance, in real estate, in securities. And when somebody is out there bragging that they just made $75,000 on grandma's house, that's where the family gets 
up in arms, phone calls are made to your legislative you know, representative, and now these laws start coming down. And I mean, maybe rightly so. It's Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that. And as you know, uh, prior to me coming here this morning, you sent me an email saying, this is what we're going to be talking about. And, you know, here you go. And of course, that's to prepare me for the conversation today. And uh, at the time, we you called me the very first time. I said, well, Garrett, that's illegal. You, you can't be doing that in this province. That followed up with an with an email from you. And I thought, okay, I better make sure I know what I'm talking about this morning. So I made a call to the Manitoba Real Estate Association. Wasn't quite the answer that maybe I wasn't looking for. So the next call I made was to a very prominent real estate lawyer. And this is where things started to get murky. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be leaving here today with both of us and our listeners scratching their head. Well, we're unplugged. And I don't know actually um, <laughs> what you're about to tell me because uh, we kind of left it at that. So just, just to uh, back up for our listeners here. I mean, I've been doing real estate for 25 years. Obviously, Rolf's been doing it for longer than that. And I've always been, whether it's told anecdotally, I hear somebody is getting, you know, grief from a Securities Commission investigation because they're wholesaling. My understanding is that wholesaling is illegal. Um, my understanding is it's illegal because you have somebody who is participating in, and we'll define this, in, in a real estate transaction. And real estate transactions are governed by the Manitoba Securities Commission. And if you are going to be engaging in that, I mean, I'm a licensed property manager. Me renting out a property is a real estate transaction. I have to have a license for that. I've taken education. A realtor who goes in and lists a house and negotiates and makes a good sale, gets a commission for that, is regulated. But somebody who is, again, think about what this sounds like, right? You've got a wholesaler that goes into a property, they evaluate it, they negotiate a sale price, they take buyers through because they have a buyer's list, and they resell that for a fee, right? Whether that it's a direct fee or whether that is a profit. To me, that's a real estate transaction. So, you know, when you told me, you know what, it's kind of a gray area, I started making some phone calls. And yeah, despite certain individuals and associates of mine that have received phone calls, you know, disturbing, threatening phone calls from the Securities Commission, it's still a gray area. So tell me what you found out. Absolutely. So first of all, I'm going to reaffirm what you just said. It is a real estate transaction. Make that very clear. It is defined in the Real Estate Services Act as a transaction. And Coming here, like I said, I came unplugged, but I had to do a little bit of research. So I scoured through the Real Estate Services Act after making the phone call to the Manitoba Real Estate Association, and I could not find anything in the act that prevented anyone from wholesaling a listing, which that sparked the call to a prominent real estate lawyer. And now... You've been doing what you've been doing for 25 years. I've been doing what I've been doing for 35 years. And now I'm having a really in-depth conversation. And I'm challenging the lawyer 
Because if you do anything long enough, as you know, for any of us listening, you know, we do things long enough, we, we encounter many things over, the, over our journey in what we do. Well, once upon a time, there was a director from the Manitoba Securities Commission that prevented anybody selling a property prior to possession date for profit or not for profit. It was not allowed in the province of Manitoba. That's where I hung my hat because I was aware of that directive when you and I first talked on the phone and I said it's illegal. And then I go through the, the new act and nothing's in there. And I thought, wait a minute, I need more information. Called the lawyer, I'm challenging him. And he's saying to me, Rolf, it is legal. What you need to understand is you assign that sale, the buyer assigns that sale Obviously, highly recommended through a law through a lawyer, a law office. He said, "Where it gets little dicey for you as a licensed registrant is now you're selling that for a fee. You will be in the line of fire, even though there's nothing stating in the act. But you're right; the Manitoba Securities Commission is there to protect the public from, I'm going to say, financial investment predators, whether it's real estate." insurance, securities, right. stock market, yada, yada. And so here's this lawyer saying to me, well, you're, here's how we recommend you do it. Of course, like you and all of us, we need to earn an income to make a living. So I respond by saying, well, why can't I get paid for something that I've helped negotiate and sold, resold another property. And he goes, yeah, I wouldn't do that. You might be able to charge a fee through my office to make it more legitimized. But he said, I highly recommend you personally don't do it. And yet I look at the, at the act and go, but there's nothing in there preventing me from doing it. Guess where my next call is? The Securities Commission. But let, let me let me break in there for yeah. a second, because uh, we're talking about the Act and the Real Estate Services Act. Um, again, for educating, educating our listeners. So from what I remember in my realtor days, you know, everything was governed by the Canadian Real Estate Act, which then went down into the Manitoba Real Estate Act. And then I believe, I want to say two years ago, or it might have been at the beginning of 2022, the Securities Commission released the Real Estate Services Act, RESA. Um, and there was a bunch of different things in there. I was involved actually on the property management side in reviewing that act just because, you know, there's, again, they're, you know, they're trying to bring in licensing and, you know, who has to be licensed in a property management company. So that's the new RESA that we're talking about. Did they forget to put something in? Did they have a copy and paste error? <laughs> like, what's going on here? I wish I had the answer for that. Uh, and and so, it's not in there. I don't know why. And as you know, if you were involved with uh, the formerly the Brokers Act to now, which is the Real Estate Services Act, I believe that went over a decade of conversations of recommendations to change to to update the act uh from uh, sorry risa from the brokers act which existed for 50 60 70 years it was written at a time where there was no technology somehow it was missed and the comment which i knew the answer to when the lawyer said 
I do that transaction for a second fee before possession date. He was referring to the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Manitoba Real Estate Association, Manitoba Real Estate Association, the Winnipeg Regional Real Estate Board, and the Code of Conduct, the Code of Ethics. And so the Code of Ethics and Conduct is where I would be in trouble. More so right now, and I'm going to, that's a key word saying right now, than the Securities Commission. Okay. But, so I mean, if this lawyer, I mean, we discussed who the name is and very prominent, obviously knows what he's talking about. It makes no sense to me that a real estate professional, realtor, would not be allowed to do this, but Joe Public can walk around and negotiate these things and brag on social media. I mean, the end goal is to protect the public. You would think a real estate professional is in a better position because of knowledge and all of the, you know, continuing education that that you have to do as a realtor and as a, you know, a registrant. Okay. So tell me about this phone call that you made to the Securities Commission. Absolutely. But before I do that, I just want to also mention, you know, like yourself, when we're established, you know, doing one transaction for a fee isn't going to change your life or mine. And so, you know, for a professional that's going, hmm, does this smell right? Should I do it? Uh, I don't know. And if you're having that conversation within yourself, regardless of what we do for a living, typically they'll say, I don't think I should be doing this because it just doesn't feel right. And it's not worth one fee for whatever that service you provide, right? So now I made the call to the Manitoba Securities Commission. Anyone in our profession knows in recent times that getting through to the Manitoba Securities Commission, unfortunately, has been, and I'm not going to sugarcoat this, it's been brutal, absolutely brutal. I have been doing this a long time. I've never in my entire career experienced experienced what I experienced with the lack of communication and help from the Manitoba Securities Commission when needed to the point where I feel embarrassed for that department. Well, they have been notoriously and historically understaffed. I mean, I don't know how many investigators they have, but the one I spoke to is now investigating real estate, but he's part of the securities side. So now he's been told to do double duty. Uh, So now he basically doubled his workload with no help in sight, right? That's Um, correct. I think we spoke to the same person. Okay. And um, and I'm going to go on record to say that the inefficiencies that we're experiencing with the Manitoba Securities Commission is not their fault. Sadly, our government... And it doesn't matter what color the party is. No. You know, when I think first and foremost, morally, it's how do we ensure the safety and health of, of Canadian citizens? That's got to be one of the top priorities, obviously, so that we have a better quality of life. But up there, I'm going to say in the top three, possibly, I might be wrong, is regardless of what we do for a living. For those of us that take pride in our craft and we're a student of our careers and our professions, the blood, sweat, and tears. And Garrett, I know I don't have to tell you your blood, sweat, and tears because it's been 25 years of a journey and it'll, and it's not over, right? 
And so here you have Canadians, whether you, it doesn't matter what city, what town, what community, what province we all live in, there is no help being offered to agencies like the Manitoba Securities Commission. Specifically, they are understaffed. And our leadership in Parliament does not have the foresight, in my opinion, to say, wait a minute, we don't want Canadian citizens to work an entire lifetime and lose it, or financially lose everything you own in, in a matter of days, hours, or weeks because of unscrupulous tactics that are being done when it comes to whether it's real estate, whether it's insurance, whether it's security stock market, whether it's mortgage financing strategies that are, again, I use the term pirates, the pirates out there that are taking advantage of the public to, de- to extract every single cent they own. And this is where it's sad state of affairs for Manitoba Securities Commission because they don't have the funding, the priority of our leaders in every community to say, yes, you need more money to do the job effectively. Correct me where I'm wrong here. You, You run a business. I run a business. And I keep saying this to everyone that's a part of our businesses, and I know you're the same. Garrett. What are the tools you need to, to do your job? Then I will go get them. Because if you don't have the right tools in place to do your job, huh, you know what that's, that's just a recipe for things to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's, in my opinion, outside looking in, the Securities Commission is a department that is working on one leg instead of both legs because the people they rely on, which is Again, Parliament are, are elected offic- uh, government officials that don't see the priority in giving them the tools to do their job effectively. And so it's easy for us to point to the Securities Commission and say, man, you guys are sure dropping the ball. You're sure not communicating very well. Well, they can't. There's right. not enough hours in a day. So I'm, <laughs> I, I don't want to bash... Uh, no, and, and I, I hear you. You know, I, I think it's important to recognize that, that human beings are working in these government offices and they're given resources or not. And yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, there would be some kind of line item on some budget that would say, educate the public on the new Real Estate Services Act. And I don't even think there's been anything, not even a brochure. Um, I think they have a link on their website to the legalese part of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Did you know that there is a big difference between investing in real estate and becoming a real estate investor? People become real estate investors all the time. They get into a flip or conversion project or even dealing with long-term tenants. And they come back to us to tell us the same thing. It's like having another full-time job. I don't know about you, but that's not what we call investing. Investing in real estate is about having your money work for you in a way that is passive, consistent, most importantly, hands off. So which one are you? Do you want to be a real estate investor or do you want to invest in real estate? For those that are open to investing in real estate and having your money work for you, listen up. Garrett Wong has spent decades helping thousands of property owners navigate the ins and outs of property investing and management through his award-winning company, Upper Edge Property Management. 
Their new division, Upper Edge Capital, is currently involved in multiple projects, from single-family flips to multifamily development. Are you looking for a healthy return on your invested capital? Or perhaps becoming a joint venture partner? If so, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to book a time to speak with Garrett and his team to see if there is a fit. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. Now, back to the show. And that's why I say it, it um, it's embarrassing. I... I 35 years I've this is my fourth registrar that I've I've had through my career and uh, I've in my entire career I've never experienced what I've been experiencing the last few years and I'm going to say COVID COVID was I think the 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 catapult that changed the Securities Commission and their inability and abilities from that day forward and Sadly, COVID has changed a lot of things for a lot it, of it has. businesses. Yeah, but, no, it's but, uh, yeah. there's no doubt. So, I mean, I spoke to the same individual. Yeah, wholesaling is illegal. You spoke to the same individual. Is that the same narrative? So, the response that I received, um, which they are certainly looking into the wholesaling aspect that is going on in the province of Manitoba. I have no doubt that a change will be coming. I don't know how soon, but I, if I was to place a bet, I will bet that before this year is over, that there'll be a new directive issued from the office of the Manitoba Securities Commission that, and I'm under the impression to not allow wholesaling property listings in the province of Manitoba, just like in British Columbia, mm -hmm. where they outlawed or banned uh, uh, shadow, shadow listings, which is the same concept, basically, right. you know, and it's not allowed there anymore. I had called a good friend, an associate and a broker, same, I think, I've, I'm not mistaken, easy 30, 35 years in real estate in, in the province of Saskatchewan, and asked him. You know, is wholesaling allowed in Saskatchewan? And he said, yes, it is. It is allowed. They too are looking at uh, possibly making changes. And he actually uh, shared one story in the conversation that we had is where they're trying to, I'm going to use the word tag, and a real estate agent that is double dipping the fees for doing the double transaction before possession date. And he said that it's a sour point. He says, nothing's changed. As of that conversation, which as earlier today, and so, but uh, otherwise done with an assignment through a lawyer, uh, where the buyer is doing the transaction, not with an agent, is acceptable practice in Saskatchewan present day. See, you know, I find this fascinating. I, I mean, one of the reasons I, I chose this topic, true story, like literally. You know, I, I get my topics from anywhere, right? You get inspired. I was at a networking event and a young fellow comes up to me, introduces himself um, and says he's starting a, a wholesaling business. I go, oh, okay. Well, what, do you, what are you doing with that? Oh, no, I'm going to be, you know, looking for deals, going to be posting those signs. We buy houses. I'm going to be door knocking. Would you like to be on my list? Because I understand that you're buying, you know, you're a flipper and you're, you're big into real estate. I said, well, sure, you can put me on your list. But then I got to thinking, 
Here's a young fellow. He's 22, 23 years old. He's actually building a business based on a gray area. He's going to be spending thousands of dollars on flyers, infrastructure, maybe hiring an assistant. I mean, who knows where this is going to go? Does he even know that the hammer could come down? Does he know that it's considered illegal, but now there's a, a gray area in the new RISA Act? I don't know. So I thought, you know what? It's a podcast. Lots of listeners, lots of downloads. It's very sticky. This thing will be posted there even if you know somebody's logging into this and subscribing three years from now. I want to put it out there because I can't even imagine starting a business in something that I thought was legal and then I'm told later it's illegal. I mean, that's, that's not fair. Correct. And that was part of the calls that I was making is I wanted to make sure that we were not misrepresenting your listeners. And, and <laughs> we're going to be leaving this podcast with uh, still scratching our head, yeah. sadly. However, the, the underlying message, in, in my opinion, is changes are in the wind. They're coming. We don't know when. And so if I'm someone looking at wholesaling listings and listening to this podcast and realizing, okay, there's changes that are going to be coming. Do I, knowing as a human being, not as a, as a realist, realtor, do I, not that realtors aren't human beings. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast. <laughs> That's a whole different podcast. But, you know, as a business owner that is looking to either augment my existing business or start a new business, am I going to splash a bunch of money in investing in something that's going to, the door is going to be closed in the near future? To me, just does it's not logical in my mind to run a new business that is already controversial and could be closed in days, weeks, months, or a year or two from now at the latest. I, I, I do yeah. feel it's going to happen this year. So this young individual, and I might, we might know that same individual. And if it is who I think it is, I mean, what a hard working young guy. I met him, I think, before It's he actually was- not. It's actually not. This is literally a random stranger. I doubt that you know him. Uh, I believe he was working for a software company. Okay. First meeting in this networking thing. Again, there's individuals out there that are literally starting these businesses from scratch. Yeah. And so if you're listening, uh, you better rethink your, your, let, your let, business let's, strategy. Let's summarize this for a second here. Sure. Okay. So again, got this very knowledgeable guest. We've done research wholesaling over the last 10, 15, 20 years. All the real estate professionals have been told it is illegal. Now that the new RISA is out, there's a bit of a gray area because it doesn't specifically list it there, but changes are coming. And those changes are indicating that wholesaling is illegal or they will be cracking down. Uh, another salient point, I know of at least two to three individuals that have received phone calls from Securities Commission investigators saying, saw you on social media, what you're doing is not allowed. Okay. So those are the facts. You know, if anybody wants to replay that last 15 seconds, that is maybe I'll put that in my intro and <laughs> in, in my teaser. But no, that that's really what we're talking about here. Right. And yeah, uh, we might have to do a part two on this in a couple months. I, I can see that coming, especially if that directive uh, is issued. It uh, I think you have a duty with the podcast to have a follow up on on this topic Absolutely. specifically, because yeah. that's going to be a big change. It's a big part of real estate investment. 
um, either for me, right? I have some wholesalers that provide me with listings. I mean, I'm a buyer, like I, I need, I need inventory, right? So yeah, from the end consumer like myself, but also from somebody who's, who's doing a business, like we need to know, we need to have answers. Absolutely. And, and like any business, you want to do a business that yes, you know, profit is a good word. It's not a bad word. You, we all need profit. Profit makes our country go round. You know, it's the people that make a good living that the good ones give back to their communities. They help out people that need help. And so, yeah, if, if things are going to change, you need to adjust your business model accordingly. It doesn't matter what the change will be. There's always in our country, God bless Canada. We have an oppor- We live in a country where opportunity is all around us if we're paying attention. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, we're in a high interest rate environment. You know, sales are down. But I challenge anybody out there, realtors as well, if you're listening, there's opportunity, right? There's opportunity everywhere you look. Yeah. And, and I'm going to, you're touching on something that's really near and dear to me at right now, present day. The market's down compared to COVID. But if you look back to 2019, one year before COVID, we are running virtually toe-to-toe in transactions. And so, you know, before COVID, we thought, man, the market's pretty good. But when you're coming out of a situation where there was 10, 20, 30, 70 multiple offers on a property selling for 10, 100, 200,000 over asking price. Those days are behind us, but man, that's a big fall from grace. And so now the market feels like it's it's on the downswing. Perspective. Correct. But really, we're back, we're normalizing. And to me, the biggest difference where, you know, in my profession where we might feel, oh, it's a little tougher. Well, before COVID, there was about 1,800 real estate agents versus 2,600 real estate agents. That's all. That's 800 more people that are doing yeah. what we do. Oh, no. That's, wow. Yeah. So it kind of. I think there was 1,700 or 1,800 when I started back in 07. 07, yeah. 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 And you were on the upswing because uh, in, in I'm going to say somewhere in the 90s, we actually were down to about 1,100 realtors. I remember that number. Yeah. 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 So the market is, I'm going to say, stable. And it's good. Good old Winnipeg. Yeah. The little, the little engine that could. Yeah. Right? But it's not insane, which is what we had almost two and a half years of, you know. So wow. it, it feels worse than what it really is. We're actually back to where we were. And thank you, because it's more predictable. Well, that, that's good to know. Um, let, let's transition for a second, uh, you know, with the time we have left. Uh, again, I thought education. we had all day together. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody wants uh, that'll kill my podcast. I have a ten-hour episode, but uh, maybe we'll break it up a little bit. In comes the editing. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, Rolf, we edited out eighty percent of the podcast. No, I, I want to talk about the concept of a real estate transaction. I mean, the, the general public who's listening to this, they're like, "What are they talking about?" Right? I mean, from when I remember when I was taking these courses and educating, again, I, I touched on it. Um, if you're leasing out a rental property, just leasing it, not collecting rent. Leasing is considered a real estate transaction. It is a transaction. It's regulated. Um, if I'm collecting rent for somebody, um, doesn't matter. There's money changing hands. Has to be in a trust account. You have to be a licensed property manager. That's a transaction. That's a transaction. So I, I want to uh, have you just talk about a little bit 
because you're a broker, I mean, you deal with this stuff every day in and day out. FinTrack, I mean, you've got lots of compliance audits, I'm sure. What are the potential consequences of proceeding in a real estate transaction if you're not licensed? Let's just pretend in the context of a realtor. Okay, so you go, you list a house, and the Securities Commission finds out that you're running, you're pretending you're a realtor and you're not. Let's just say that. You're calling yourself a realtor and you're not licensed. Securities Commission does an investigation. Tell me what those consequences are going to be. Well, I don't know. And the reason I don't know is if the public does a real estate transaction as defined by the Real Estate Services Act and, and things go south and now there's an investigation, that information is not shared with licensed practitioners in, okay. in the province of Manitoba. What I, what I do know is that the public, you get to do one-offs, right? So incomes for sale by owner. Uh, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Our frustration being, because we have rules we have to follow, whereas this for sale by owner, it's wild, wild west. There's no rules to follow. And, and so it's frustrating when you're trying to be involved in that transaction representing the buyer and here, you know, there's no rules. There's no protection for that buyer. And so as a, I'm going to say a caring professional, very frustrating. So that for, you know, private individuals selling their property, rarely does it go, I think, that, that I'm aware of, rarely does it go to a hearing or investigation. However, in comes, you know, how do you define this? You know, Garrett Wong is an um, astute real estate negotiator without a real estate agent, and you're doing one transaction, two transactions, three transactions, four transactions, and you're unethical about it. Eventually, that's going to land in the offices of the Manitoba Securities Commission. No matter what, if you think you're a Teflon Don, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're eventually your name is going to arrive to the investigators and they take that stuff seriously because the poor public needs to be protected. If again, I use the word pirate. If you're a pirate and you're extracting money uh, crookedly from crookedly, is that a word? <laughs> from, it, the, it is <laughs> from the public. Eventually, you're going to get noticed. Why? Winnipeg is a, a little big city, you know. Um, I think when when you paused for a minute uh, to get your settings right, I said to you, you know, what you endured in the, your boating accident, and the reason I mentioned it was because I had ran into somebody else that shared your story, and I'm going, I knew that guy, and so now take that to the real estate transaction. Eventually your name's going to end up at the wrong desk <laughs> and you're going to get investigated. Now, we being in real estate, in any of us, property management, we're, we're regulated, but we don't get to hear, I'm going to use the word, the investigation and or dirty laundry that comes with bad real estate transactions. Well, there's, there's been a few prom, like really prominent ones. I can name some property management companies and things like that. And, you know, I think we can all agree that the end consequence that you hear about is that individual is no longer allowed to practice in said profession. And I think that in itself is enough consequences for somebody to go, hmm, 
I'm trying to build a business. I put money into it, trying to do the right thing. And I, whether you're unethical, ethical, whether whatever gray areas it happens, you are no longer allowed to make a living in whatever profession this might be. It's no different if you're practicing medicine without a license and you get your license yanked, you can't operate on anybody anymore. How are you going to make a living? Right. So, you know, this podcast, and I'm, you know what, I'm going to call this part one of maybe three because <laughs> we're almost at our 45 minutes. But Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, you know what, it, there's a lot of stuff here. I, I think um, what I'd like to do, let's say we, you know, a few months, maybe this directive does come out. Then we're going to educate the public. We'll do another one where we're going to talk about how to legally make a wholesaling business. Maybe there's a way you can partner with the realtor, some licensed professional. There's, there are ways. I've, I've researched this uh, when I did my, my research for the podcast. I know there's ways. We just have to communicate that to the public in the context of Manitoba. You are spot on. You know, when anytime there's change, you have to look at what does that mean and what are my boundaries? And so now once you know your boundaries, now you can develop a strategy that is legal, that is ethical. And if, if you're doing things legally and ethically, you might have some, I'm going to use the word haters because, oh, look at Garrett. He's doing so well. Like, uh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. You know, but overall, you're doing it by the rules that govern our land. For today. And if they change, you adjust. You adjust. I mean, yeah. And I, I can't even imagine, rewind 25 years ago, rewind 35 years ago, the rules when we started versus today. Right. Oh, you can't, you couldn't, there'd be a week-long podcast to, right. to go through every single change. Right. And again, government rules, regulations, it's all reactionary, right? Non-competition. I, I mean... It's all reactionary to somebody getting hurt, somebody making a complaint, and, you know, the public or the government ruling bodies trying to step in and get some organization to prevent people from being hurt. I mean, that's, again, what it's all about. So, yeah, you know what? Um, I've really enjoyed this. Um, and you've listened to uh, <laughs> some of our, our episodes. You know this question's coming. So even though you're unplugged, <laughs> I ask every guest this question. Um, and I want to hear what you have to say. So again, investing to win podcast. How do you define success? And what does winning look like for you? If you, I'm going to stay on the same train of the spoke in the wheel. Growing up, did you ride a bicycle? Most of us did. And in order for a bicycle to be successful, the wheels have to turn and pro propel us forward. Although that wheel doesn't turn without spokes. And when you ask that question, you know, about success and what does that mean to me? Well, there's so many spokes in that wheel that, def that would define and answer that question. And so one of those spokes is just my family. You know, the I'm blessed to be surrounded by people that I love. And for anyone that has children, there are families that are, are divided. I'm, I'm very fortunate that not only do I have a family that is full of love, <laughs> you know, is that to me means that is for me number one. You know, the three children that, that I have that, you know, two are self-employed. Like, what are the odds of that? Yeah. And then uh, my daughter, 
who's in Calgary, and I've said this to, to my wife. I said, you watch. She's going to own a business one day. And she kind of gave me that look, and, and she goes, it's just going to happen. I, don't, I, I have nothing to base it on. But my point being is not only am I surrounded by love, I'm surrounded by tremendous relationships with, with my family, and watching them grow in their world is so rewarding. So success, I mean, starts to me, I think for all of us with our family, because without, without the support of your family, we can, and my family, we can't do what we do. Yeah. And, and they have sadly have experienced some sacrifices because of the demands of being self-employed. You know, I always say this being self-employed for someone that isn't, it looks so glamorous, but really, it's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and, and a lot of sacrifice personally and to the people that matter to you. So very lucky that's part of what I consider success. And that moves forward now to my, my friends. You know, I have lifelong friendships. We've known each other 25 years. This is one example. And, and so being surrounded with my family, now going beyond my inner circle, my, my, my aunts, my uncles, my friends, the people I work with. You know, every, every, everybody around me has been with me long term. And to me, that's success. I, I don't have, I have a few burned bridges. We all do. Uh, but man, I've, I've got very few bridges that are burnt. I am so lucky to, to have the family, the friends, the, 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 God bless the people I work with. Like, I can't say how much they've been the wind, continue to be the wind in my sails. And then, of course, there's the the real estate part of my life that uh, I'm, to this day I'm a lifelong student of. I, I invest in my craft constantly, pushing myself. How can I be better? How can I do that better? How can I serve this person better? How do I elevate what I do? I wake up every morning with that thought: is how do I elevate what I currently do? How do I help people? more than what I'm doing today. And that's an odd comment because one of the successes for me personally is the, the amount of people that I try, and I've failed often, but try to help, whether it's someone I work with, whether it's a client, whether it's one of my cousins, friend, kids, doesn't matter who it is, I try to help people. I've said this to my children and my friends and anyone willing to listen, that no matter where we go, is it better when you leave because you were there? And if the answer is yes, there's the win. Amazing. Yeah. No, that that's amazing. So, yeah, you win because of the relationships that you have cultivated. And I think that's that's a great, great spot to end. And with that, I... I I don't feel like I'm on a podcast. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like, uh, you know, back at Joey's on Keniston having lunch. This, you know, where you're you're drinking a black tea, a green tea, black. I'm having a dark roast coffee, double cream. I just feel like we're sitting around a coffee table. That's the whole intention of the style that I wanted to portray here. But but thank you for recognizing that because I've received a lot of compliments on that. So for our audience, hopefully you're enjoying these very, you know, genuine organic unscripted conversations and (laughs) and that's what investing to win is all about and you know what listeners uh share this podcast with your friends garrett is dedicated to this and and uh before we even started i was so impressed with uh what garrett's trying to do for our community 
for our Manitobans. You know, support that. It, it's really, and, and Garrett doesn't even know I was going to say this. I didn't know I was going to say this till I'm sitting here. It's people like Garrett doing things like this that are helping you be better, to help you be smarter. Share it with the people you care about because it would be a sad day to not have this podcast, in my opinion, because I've been listening to it and I really enjoy it. Pleasure and bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Investing to Win podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If this episode made you think of another investor, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. Investing to Win is not only about helping you to win more, but WIN actually stands for Wise Investors Network. It's where we help our investors build a hands-off portfolio and have passive investments work for them. To see how you can potentially partner with us, go to www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest to learn more. Once again, the link is www.upperedgecapital.com forward slash invest. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.